So what was your journey of detaching your emotional side to the business and how has that impacted your, your career, your life, your relationships? My entire emotional attachment was the money. Obviously money plays a big part of business. I wanted to be rich to buy my mom a house, to buy my mom a car. And so if my bank account went up $100, I would be excited. If it went down $100, I'd be disappointed, even when I was worth over $100 million. My relationship with money was I identified with how much money I made. Exactly. So businesses that I had were the vehicles to making the money, but the money itself is what I identified with. So when the business went down, my money went down. So I had two things to worry about on top of what you normally worry about or you are anxious about in life. And so by losing everything, I learned to attach my emotions to my day by learning from the past and aligning the lessons with where I wanna be in the future or better and changing my own self-image, notating that I know one thing about self-image, you will never overachieve your own self-image. And so if your self-image is attached, your emotions are attached to something that you don't have control over, like your business, like your bank account, you're in big trouble. And what was that like turning period for you? Um, what triggered it and was the painful year, <laughs> two years of, of having that realization, which maybe people have at different times in their life. And then what did you do after having the realization? Was it therapy? Was it discussing yeah. with people? What was it? Well, for me, my basement hit two years before I lost everything. Uh, I sat after my wife told me she was unhappy and leaving me and i sat in bed the next morning full of hate i hated my mom i hated my dad i hated my best friend and i hated my wife but i felt everyone else loved me and i thought to myself what's going on here mm. i love all these people but they don't really love me and the people that really love me i hate mm. why is that because they told me the truth mm. and the truth vibrates the fastest and on that day, my last thing, two things my wife told me after she said she was leaving me, she said, you better take stock in who you were and what you want to become or you're going to end up dead. And then she said something that really hit home. She said, what if your mom, the one I love the most, what if she knew who you really were? Because my wife lived with me every day. She knew who I really was. And I kept thinking about it. I don't hate any of them. I hated myself yeah. and all the reasons I hated them was I hated myself and they were telling me the truth about myself or everyone else. There's this huge gap today and I want to know all entrepreneurs to learn this, all my children to learn this. I know who I am today. I'm 55 years old. When I was 35, I didn't. Mm. I was in this energy crisis between, I knew who I was back then, but all my attention was on what I wanted to people to think I was. Yes, yes. And that gap is a dangerous gap. And it was two years of reconstructing my life and my values to get to a point when I finally lost everything. I was on that road. My mom knew it, my dad knew it, my best friend knew it, and my wife knew it. I was on the path to losing everything. I just didn't know it mm -hmm. because I was lying to myself. And when it finally happened, I actually was more prepared I had been elevated, elevated and empowered far beyond where I was at my basement, even though I still had everything. The real low was when my wife was going to leave me. Thank goodness she didn't. Been married 26 years, had four kids, added a son since then, which was wonderful. But I want to make sure entrepreneurs know 
that it is about I am and the light, the love, and the lessons that we learn and being honest mm. and illuminating. Here's the irony, Zach. If you would have met me when I was 35, worth over $100 million, we wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't want to learn anything from me. Interesting. You, I had all the money, but nobody ever asked me for any advice. Well, you know what they would ask me for? My money. Exactly. Now, I have more money than ever. I help more people than ever, and I definitely have more fun. Look out the window. Uh, <laughs> but more people ask me for help than most people on earth. Entrepreneurs, at least. Cool. My next question is another thing you really say, um, which is um, kind of your mission, I think, which is the cons consistent um, pursuit of your potential. So I remember hearing that a few years ago, and I really liked the longevity of that, the long-term thinking of that. So for someone who never heard that, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, and how does it manifest in your day-to-day? -day? Well, it is my mission to empower over a billion people to be happy. My definition of happy are people who make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun because I've never met anyone <laughs> that makes a lot of money to help a lot of people and has fun doing it. So I came up, okay, how am I going to do this? I'm going to teach people like you, Zach, to enjoy the consistent, everyday, persistent, without quit pursuit of your potential. Not what other people think, not what's missing, not what you don't have but what you want in a trajectory of where you want to be or better by giving meaning to the failures, mistakes, and setbacks, the struggles, the successes, the defining moments, the historical relevances are all aligned in my life mm -hmm. to where I want to be or better, which is to empower over a billion people to create abundance, to live in the world of more than enough. And so that definition of happiness, enjoying, finding the light, the love, and the lessons, doing, saying, thinking, feeling, believing, every day in a trajectory of where you wanna be by learning from the past, mm -hmm. not punishing yourself with the past, promoting and protecting yourself. And believe it or not, even reconciled within the definition of happiness and success for me, enjoying the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential is faith. And the reason it is, and we talked about attaching your emotions to outcomes, this is how I see it. See, good behavior creates good progress but we're not capable of yeah. seeing good progress. Yeah. Bad behavior creates bad progress, but we're not capable of seeing progress. On the long run, good behavior creates good outcomes, but even to make it more complex, when good outcomes happen, like losing everything, I lost everything, including my mom's house. I told you, only reason I want to be rich is by my house. You I didn't tell it. her she had to move, because I forgot to take my name off of the title. But I have this faith and understanding, number one, I have faith that I should have good behavior because eventually all the outcomes are better will happen in my life. If I have bad behavior, I'm going and accelerating in the wrong trajectory. It aggregates, compounds exponentially, and accelerates the outcomes. Mm -hmm. But here's the interesting thing. Outcomes, we still are, even if it takes 20 years. If it took me 20 years to go bankrupt, which it almost did, um, I didn't know or understand the outcome. So with faith, even a bankruptcy, losing your mom's house is protecting and promoting you. Why? Because I will tell you now, 15 years later, that if I didn't lose everything, I would have ended up dead and definitely divorced, which are two of the greatest tragedies that I could have had in my life, in my mission. Yeah. And instead, I'm here today because I learned the light, the love, and the lessons from losing over $100 million yeah. in a trajectory of changing the world. Did you know this? Oh, no, no, no. no. So, so that's my question. When that happens, because you know, when you see it on paper, it, it looks good. 
but I've experienced it when something goes wrong, you feel like everything's crumbling, you feel very blindsided by emotions. So what's your advice to, to someone who understands these things, which maybe this is me, I understand the theory of it, me too. but putting it into practice when something yeah. hits the fan is just a different story. Um, so it's, it's funny that Einstein has such a tie to Malta. <laughs> True. He, he does, and look it up if you don't believe me. Because I started to study Einstein in his theory of relativity and time. And what I realized was that all emotions cannot be quantified because logic and emotions are disparate from each other. They're not the same. You can't out logic emotions. If yeah. you're upset, you can't say, let it go. Yeah. That doesn't help you. Yeah. Right? If someone else is... That's what everyone tries right. to do, right? It, right. If someone's depressed and you say, oh, look at the glasses half full. Yeah. F you, half yeah. full. I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's what I realized about time. I can use it as a quantitative measurement. This is what Einstein taught. So if something happens like losing everything and I identify the fear that I'm not worthy, mm -hmm. that I have a need to be right, I have a need to be superior, I have a need to be anxious, frustrated, angry, worried, guilty, resentful, I then can start identifying my fear as fear of a past fear of something in the past or fear of my future. Those are the only two types of fear. Yeah. I know humans and human nature react to fear with ego. It's a self, it's like breathing. Mm. You don't have to think about yeah, it. it just you don't out. have to think about the ego evoking itself when you're afraid. So now I'm looking at what ego do I evoke when I'm afraid of losing everything and then lose everything. Amazing. Then I say to myself, okay, I'm going to shorten the amount of time that I feel shameful. I'm gonna shorten it. So I felt, t first day it happened, every waking minute I of felt course. blame, shame, and justification. I need to be inferior, unworthy, yeah. all the egos, right? Yeah. But then when myself. you can see it. Right, and so then, I, right. so then tomorrow I'll say, you know what? I spent 16 hours in that way. I'm, tomorrow I'm spend 15 hours nice. and 59 minutes. Nice. And it's just a matter of minutes. It's a good way to see Until it. I spend minutes and moments by practicing that and then you get better at all the other fears so ironically this theory that people can understand when you put into a quantitative measurement that we all share the time a particle of light leaves the sun and hits the earth called time we all have 24 hours a day if you get into the practice of shorting the amount of time that you're spending interfering with who you are you're going to be more of who you are. So instead of being more happy, more healthy, more wealthy, more worthy, more worried, more angry, more anxious, more depressed, mm. let's figure out what you're doing to interfere with it. Yeah. I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy. Every day, I'm just identifying what I'm doing to interfere with it, combined with my faith that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source, an abundant, infinite, more than enough world for more than enough, for more than enough, everything for everyone, I just interfere with it. And I teach young entrepreneurs like you, old entrepreneurs like me, to stop interfering with their potential. How? By enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of their potential. Love it, love it, honestly. And what led you to the point of bankruptcy in the context of insecurities? So we know insecurities drive most of our decisions, and um, so does our ego. Looking at your childhood and looking back at, at your early days, what were the things that molded you in a way that led that to happen? 
and then you obviously made a U-turn. But what were those early moments, if you can define them? I can very clearly. So number one, I thought money would buy me love and happiness because the only time I wasn't loved or happy was when I was short on money. Okay. Two, I thought that humility came from giving. And I thought the more you give, the more you receive, which is true. But somebody didn't teach me the first part of it, which is the more you receive, the more you can give, the more you give, the more you receive. Small detail. Important. Small detail. But very few people talk about it's that true. detail, which is one of my mottos. Make a lot of money to help a lot. It's not help a lot of people exactly. to make a lot of money. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. It's make a lot of money, help a lot of people, have a lot of fun. The more money you make, the more people you help, the more money will come back to you. Yep. But they forget that first part. Yeah. And so that nuance led me to this idea of humility. Humility was something that had to be learned. You talked yeah. about this before. So there's the radical humility of knowing, I don't know what I don't know. The more I know, the more I learn, there's more to know. Yep, exactly. and, and that's another nuance mm. that people say, oh, you know, the, the more I know, the no, the more you know, you know more. But by knowing more, there's more to know. Exactly. Because, you know, if you learn to love what you do, it tells you all its secrets. Well, you don't learn to love what you do without knowing what you're doing exactly. by doing it consistently and persistently. So for me, understanding humility, the ignorant humility of I don't know, I don't know, but then came the arrogant humility. I know I don't know what I don't know, but I'm afraid to ask for help. And I'm afraid to let other people know that I don't, I don't know, know, even though they know I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It's true. Very true. It's true. And so what happens within the context is, of, is two things that I learned. I didn't ask for help. And so even though I had $100 million, I had a $40 million line of credit. And that got changed to a $1 million line of credit because I didn't know what I don't know. I didn't ask anyone for help. I didn't know that banks could do that. I didn't know yeah. banks could go under. And when you are extremely successful with extremely successful projects, which I had, your life becomes very difficult when you're running a $40 million line and it gets narrowed down to a $1 million line and they can call money on you and the person that you were at the bank with for 10 years isn't there anymore so he doesn't have to talk to you. Yep. Your personal bank, your personal relationship. <laughs> of course not. Number one, young millionaire, Dave Meltzer, you know, I, sucking in my ego every time exactly. I walked in. Oh, one champagne, Mr. Meltzer. Come into the private, everyone's in line over there, Mr. Meltzer. Yeah, F you, it's Mr. True. Meltzer. We it's just true. took $39 million of your line. Now go ahead and feed those successful businesses the way you need to. Yeah. And you're in a lawsuit. Impossible. So you need extra cash. So here's the interesting lesson beyond the best advice I can give everyone. 18, 28, 38, 40. I'll be giving you this lesson 20 years from now <laughs> when I'm still in Malta visiting you and you own that palace over there. Nice. I'll be saying, you know, Zach, the best piece of advice I can give you, ask for help. Thank you so much, Dave. Pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you for Honestly. having me as your first. Honored. Thank you.